Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. My name is Tom. I'm the assistant pastor here. Uh, we are heading into this kind of monthly series of God for all seasons. And I'm excited for this as we look at all these kind of different seasons of life um, because God is with us in all seasons. And his word speaks to us in all seasons. And we can encourage one another in the Lord in all seasons. And so I'm excited for us to kind of understand a bit more about one another and be equipped to love one another well. Um, but why don't, we, why don't we take just a moment to, to pray? Father God, we thank you that you know us, you know the season of life that we are in, and we know that you love us. And we pray, loving Father, that we would hear your voice speaking to us this morning, revealing your love to us and helping us to turn to Jesus and to look on him, we pray. Amen. So I wonder if you have come across this word, adult, adolescence. To me, it sounds like a bad body spray, essence of young adult, not ideal. It is a term that is being uh, used at the moment to describe, I guess, what you could call a, a current phenomena uh, where young adults are seemingly taking longer uh, before they're feeling able to step into particular adult responsibilities. It's being used by uh, academics to kind of try and understand this kind of extended young adult phase, but it's also kind of being used in kind of a belittling way, looking down on those who are in their kind of, uh, yeah, young adult stage. Uh, and when I'm talking about young adults this morning, we're thinking about 18 to 35, which is a huge age range. I'm sure you'll appreciate for us to cover this morning. A lot can happen in that time. But as we're going to see from some of the data, uh, for young adults across this whole age group, they are facing all sorts of challenges. And it's taking longer to, to get certain things that provide that sense of permanence uh, in life. So we're going to think about that. Another term uh, that's come up a lot recently is quarter life crisis, which might sound a tad dramatic, but it is coming up more and more. And that's because it describes the experience of many young adults. The quarter life crisis is that feeling that kind of washes over you, that you've, you've arrived at this age where you thought your life, uh, you'd have, you've got to this point where you thought you'd have figured it all out and that you'd have achieved certain life goals that have come together and you haven't. That quarter-life crisis feeling comes over you as you see your friends' social media posts about getting engaged or uh, getting their first house. Maybe it washes over you when you get to those certain checkpoints within the year, New Year's Eve or your birthday. Well, Rachel Jones, uh, who wrote this excellent book called Is This It? Uh, and I, I've drawn on her wisdom uh, a lot for this morning, and I highly recommend this book to you. I call it the avocado book because there's a whacking great avocado on the front. Not sure why, but it's memorable. So if you're going to go home, remember the avocado book, and there's lots to help you there. But she says about the quarter-life crisis, you feel a little bit lost, a little bit lonely, a little bit like you're looking for something but you're not even sure what. Now, I know that what that describes isn't unique to 18 to 35s. 
nor this particular generation of 18 to 35s, but it does seem to be more common, especially as it's taking longer to get hold of that permanent job or that permanent place to live. There's a, a survey was done by the website LinkedIn that found that 75% of 25 to 33-year-olds have experienced a quarter-life crisis, with the average age being 27. Uh, and this was done in 2017, and they reckon uh, more recently it's been about 80%. These are young adults who are thinking about the question, what should I do with my life? They're thinking about, is everyone else doing better than me? Is God real? Or is it pointless, me continuing to pursue him? Now, here's the thing this morning that I want us to think about. Jesus, knowing Jesus, can and will make all the difference going through this. And going deeper with him at this formative stage of life will radically change the life that you have ahead of you, the way that you engage with it. Now, if you are in here this morning and you're under 18, which I know there's a number of you who are, there is no reason why you can't pursue this as well. And you will be even more prepared as you turn up to your kind of that 18 to 35 stage, being ready to trust Jesus and knowing the stability and security and peace that comes from knowing him as well. So, so this is for you as well. So we're going to think about what, what difference does Jesus make to some of these challenges uh, that young adults are facing. So the first is, is this, being disillusioned. Being disillusioned, getting to that stage in life and just feeling, is this it? Is this it? I'm sure many of you have, uh, as you were heading into your 20s, were told that these are going to be some of the best years of your life. And as you know, lots of our young adults here will have been surrounded by the cultural mantra of live your best life, which is a lot of expectation. And I kind of want to say that there is something that's not entirely unbiblical about it. So these words are from Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9, which say, you who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. Perhaps a bit surprising. These are words. These are telling us to be joyful. The youthful energy and zeal for life is a good thing. Life is short. Old age comes quickly. Do what makes you happy. I'm sure it's a temptation for uh, perhaps uh, if you're an older person looking upon the anxieties of 20-somethings and you want to say, stop worrying and enjoy your youth, your health. Go out, enjoy it. And it's good to be reminded of that, particularly if we are overburdened by overthinking and worrying. There's so much to enjoy when we're young, and let's not forget that as we go and look at some of the challenges this morning. Enjoy your youth. But do note that that verse finishes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. And this is where it kind of, you get the whole picture rather than just what our culture gives us. God will bring you into judgment. This is not saying go and indulge in all the things that will lead your heart away from God. It's fine joy delighting in the good things that God has given you right now. Enjoy life before him. Okay, so youthful thirst for life is to be encouraged. Not just naivety. I think it's to be encouraged. Don't squash it. 
encourage youthful joy. But one reason for so much disillusionment is that the world has set us the wrong expectation for what will bring us fulfillment and joy. The culture we live in idolizes recreational relationships, hyper-individualism, consumption, and leisure. And then, as we talked about already, social media surrounds us with the false advertising that shows us the highly edited and curated highlights of our friends' lives. And so, on the other hand, it's not all that easy just to say, okay, I'll stop worrying and enjoy life. Because everything around us is telling us that we will only really enjoy life when we get X. And then when we arrive at X, or maybe we don't get there, but maybe we do arrive at X, and we realize it cannot live up to all the expectations that we put on it. One example of this is that we're told, get a, get a good degree, and you'll get a good graduate job that you'll love, and it will pay for all the things that you want to do that are exciting in your 20s with all the freedom that you have. There was a study recently by the CIPD, this is 2022, that says in the UK, over a third, so 36% of UK graduates are overqualified for their roles, with a rising proportion ending up in low-skilled jobs where they experience lower levels of job and life satisfaction. That's a lot, that's a high number. Now, higher education is good, but it isn't a guarantee of a dream job. And the dream job is no guarantee of complete fulfillment in life. So what, what's going to speak into this situation? What's going to take us from that place of asking, is this it? Well, in uh, the New Testament, Paul uh, says that he has made the discovery of the secret of contentment. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. And it's evident from the context of that verse of that passage that the secret is knowing Jesus. He said just a few sentences before, for me to live is Christ. That's life. For me is to know him. For me to die is gain, because it's, it's him still. He says, I could have a lot, I could have a little, but so long as I have him, I have enough. But do you notice, this is a learned thing. He's in prison where, where most of us, if we were in the same space, would be asking God, is this it? Is this all that you have for me right now, God? And maybe there were points where Paul did feel that. I mean, it says that he learned it. So if you're learning something, presumably there was a point where you weren't it didn't come all that easily to you. And sometimes it's not easy. We let other things block our view of Jesus. And that's what we need to do. We need to turn and to look again to Jesus, who has given his life so that you might be satisfied fully with his love and find fulfillment in living for him. And knowing his purpose for your life. And that's, that's a big question about what that might look like for you, where he is taking you. But know that his purpose for your life is for you to know him, to know his love and to be made like him and to serve his kingdom. So let me encourage you to look to Jesus and to 
draw deep from the well of your salvation, of his grace, to know that you can come to him and find that his love for you has not weakened. His commitment to renewing you hasn't waned. His desire to keep using you for his kingdom continues. And let me encourage you to drink deeply of his love. Drink until you can take no more, until you are fulfilled and able to say, that is enough. I know your love for me, and then know that there is yet more for you to go on and find. His love will fulfill us all the days of our lives. Friends, don't fall into that temptation of being passively carried downstream with everyone else by false expectations. But instead, come to Jesus who is the fountain of life and drink deeply of the love of God that is found only in him. This is fulfillment, right? This is life with him. And if you are in this room this morning and you uh, know young adults in your life, they're they're in the church, so, so you do, the best thing that you can do for them is to worship Jesus. It's to openly model to them that your satisfaction is in him, even when it's hard, because it is hard, but model and show that you are trusting and worshiping him. You're going to him to be satisfied. Show them that he is where it is. So, disillusioned. Another challenge that is facing most young adults is the feeling of being disconnected. You're wondering, where have all my friends gone? Cast your mind back to your first, I don't know, year or two at school, uh, when all it took... Uh, was noticing that you had the same filling in your sandwich as another, another kid, and you became inseparable best friends for the rest of your school life. Or maybe uh, you realize that you have the ability to burp on cue, and that's all it took for the, the admiration and loyalty of a friend who stuck with you through anything. Weren't those simpler times? But then you finish education, and you enter into young adulthood. And it is a time where your friendship circle really changes. It might be because life is in flux. There's lots changing. Friends are moving away. It's also a busier season of life. Your days are long. You've got shift work. Life stuff takes over. And even with social media, we're more connected than ever before But more often than not, we are spectating our friends' lives rather than spending time together. Now, perhaps it's true that as you grow older, your circle of really close friends does kind of shrink to just a couple. But nevertheless, many young adults do um, report feeling really lonely. There have been two surveys done uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, One was uh, done in Australia. Uh, And it said 62% of young adults and 46% of seniors report being lonely, while 55% of the population say they lack companionship at least sometimes. So notice there that the, the percentage of young adults is higher than those who are older. 
and this is surprising, but it's also the same that they found, this is a BBC study in the UK, which said 40% of 16 to 24-year-olds who took part told us they often or very often feel lonely compared with 27% of 75-year-olds. It's surprising, isn't it? Maybe it's not surprising. The most connected generation, and yet many are feeling no, uh, lonely. And those numbers are high, and they're too high. And if that's you this morning, if you fit that category, and you're waiting for someone to reach out, well, maybe it's the case that for you, friends have come and gone, or they failed you, or, or you failed them. Whatever the reason for that sense of loneliness, know that God does not want you to be alone. Have you ever read Psalm 39? Uh, I've got to give credit to Rachel Jones again uh, for showing me how precious these verses are to those who are feeling lonely. Um, Psalm 139 begins, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. God knows you. He knows your hopes and dreams. He knows when you're coming back from a long day of work and how you're doing. He knows what's going through your mind as you're lying in bed awake. God knows your life better than anyone. Even with some of our friends, we hide part of ourselves. But with God, we are fully known. That's wonderful. God knows you entirely. It's also a little intimidating, but this is a God who stays with us no matter where we move to and perhaps however much we try and distance ourselves from him. Uh, looking at verses 7 and 8, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. And he finishes by saying, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God is the friend we can go to and who we can uh, tell it to as it really is. But he's the one who we can also trust to tell it as it really is. And who guides us back to his grace in the Lord Jesus. Who leads us in the way everlasting. Where he makes his love known to us. So let me encourage you, if this morning he feels like he is on the other side of the sea. Why don't you pray these words that are on the screen. Search me. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way and lead me. Why not pray those words? God longs to know us, and he is with us. He is the closest friend. But he also wants us to throw ourselves into the Christian relationships that he has given to us as well, because here also he meets with us. When God saved you, if you're a Christian, he has made you part of a body of people, a body of people that he uses to embrace you, to know you and to guide you. And so let me encourage you, if you are not in church life with both feet, 
do it. (laughs) Because otherwise you'll be missing out on a key way that God reveals his love to you. I sent out a survey this week, and I thank you to everybody who uh, took part in that survey, and I hope it was helpful to you to think about, uh, to kind of think ahead to today. But I asked uh, a question, which was, as a young adult, what things had the biggest positive impact on your faith? And perhaps it won't be any surprise to you to know that in the majority of answers included within it was other believers. Knowing other Christians, Christians who walked alongside you, spoke into your life, spoke lovingly and challengingly. Friends, we can make an enormous difference in one another's lives, and especially as we think about this morning, into young adults' lives. Yes, to keep them from being lonely, but also to bring the reality of God's love to the forefront of one another's lives as we make ourselves available, as we put ourselves into their lives and put ourselves out there to encourage them. And young adults, as you're here this morning, let me encourage you to dive in. You can be a part of YAC, our young adults at uh, Kennet Valley uh, group. It's our growth group that meets every uh, second and fourth Thursday, 18 to 30s. We meet for food uh, at mine and Caitlin's house, and uh, we have Bible study as well. Come on, let us love you. We would love to love you as we love one another as a community. But as well, you can also serve on a team at church alongside other believers. Ask to spend time with an older believer. Become a member of the church. Commit yourself to this local group of God's people. Serve on an overseas mission trip and see that you are part of a body that goes around the whole world. You are part of a body. You are united to Jesus and the the God of love, and you are a member of a spiritual body. You are not alone. This is glorious that Christ has brought us in. You don't have to be disconnected. And thirdly, what about being dislocated? We've thought about being disillusioned, being disconnected, and now we can see the, the difference that Jesus makes for those who feel disconnected, those who feel kind of out of place, dis- discomforted by being out of, out of place, dislocated. Whenever there's nowhere that quite feels like home. There was a time in my uh, early 20s when I'd gone to the north of England uh, to serve on a, a team at the Keswick Convention. And uh, my bank declined my card because I was, I don't know, I guess away using it in a different part of the country and they thought they were doing me a service by blocking it and calling me to do some security checks. And uh, to kind of check I am who who I am, uh, they wanted to know the postcode of where I had lived for the last six years. Fairly straightforward question. However, I had had five addresses in the last six years. I'd had my family home, I'd had my university halls of residence, I'd had multiple shared houses, uh, and uh, of course, there was one postcode that I couldn't quite remember. And so they froze me out. Ah, not bitter, it's fine. Very inconvenient on holiday. 
just what I'd given them, like, all but one. Surely, surely. You know, anyway, it's fine. I'm, o I'm over it. It's fine. <laughs> but that experience, that experience of, of moving around a lot is so common to young adults to have had multiple postcodes in a short space of time. And it is taking much longer for young adults to find a way to get onto the housing ladder. It's reported that the number of young adults who are homeowners have almost halved since the 1980s. And a large contributing factor to that is that rent costs are so high. And so it's not surprising, um, these stats from uh, Loughborough University, that over six in 10 single 20 to 34 year olds without children now live with their parents a total of 3.5 million in the UK. And this was uh, from research done just before COVID. And so I think the stats are likely to be even higher. Now, there are loads of benefits and joys from living at home with family. Lots of creature comforts as well. But you can understand that, that, that within this younger generation, there is a strong sense of feeling dislocated, of wanting to be in their own space to be independent, to have a place that they can call home. Where is this location and community that they are going to be able to call their own? And now you don't need to own a home for that, but we can certainly understand why so many young people feel that way. And I'm sure it's true of all of us. There, there are times where we all feel, to some degree, that longing to be somewhere else that feels more like home. Now, that might just be a memory of your home in the past. It might be that you miss a country that you used to call home. Maybe you look back to a time when you didn't have the responsibilities that come with being a grown-up and sinking all of your money into brick and mortar. But all of us have times where we have that longing for that place that just feels right. That place of peace and safety a place where we belong. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus, when he was here, didn't have uh, a place to call his own. He was dislocated. We read, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And we know that whilst not having a place to lay his head, he was rejected by um, those he grew up with in his ministry, and he was ultimately rejected by the world. This was someone who knew what it was to be dislocated. But he lived a rootless life on earth so that all of us who have spiritually cut ourselves off from him, from God, can return home to the one who gives our souls rest. Now, Peter uh, later in the New Testament, it tells us that when we turn back to Jesus, we too become aliens and strangers in the world. If we are Christians, our home is with God. And so, all of us, the Christian life is going to involve feeling dislocated. The Christian life is the dislocated life. We always feel that sense of being out of place. And so that means for young adults you have a unique position in the kind of flux and transition of the stage of life that you're in, it can help you resonate with the spiritual reality that you were made for a different world. You were made to be at home with God. 
Now, it's no bad thing to own a home, to build a home. But let this stage of life be appointed to you that there are more permanent things. The kingdom of God and the people in it. So make God and his kingdom your home. And you can be confident that one day, either with God in glory or when Christ returns, he is going to make his home with you forever. Don't let all these things of this life tether you down. Your home is with God. And only when you are with him will you feel home. Let's set our hearts and minds on him. This is going to involve reordering our loves and some of our priorities. But as the recent uh, right move advert says, there is no perfect time, just the right time. That's trying to get you to, to buy a house. But there is no perfect time, just the right time. Now is the time to turn to Jesus again and to remind yourself that your true home is with him if you're trusting him. And if you are not trusting him, there is no perfect time, just the right time. Make your home with him. Jesus dwells in us by his spirit. He has made his home in us. Let us lean into that reality. So we've thought about being disillusioned, the challenges of being disconnected and of being dislocated. But friends, Jesus meets us in our greatest worries and our deepest longings, and he wants to reveal more of his love to us in it. And so let that be the central transforming power of your young adulthood. But let me finish with one bit of scriptural wisdom that I think ties this all together. The point is, leaving childhood, but remaining childlike. And this, in part, comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, where Paul says, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood behind me. It is, it's, it's really tempting, it's genuinely tempting, as young adults, to want to put off adult responsibility and to enjoy the absence of commitment, or to just kind of hold them, hold them lightly. It's tempting to always be out with your friends when there's other things you should be doing. It's tempting to bury ourselves in telly or sport or video games. It's tempting to take the support of our family for granted and to avoid fulfilling our responsibilities to them, honoring them, and stepping out in independence as well. It's tempting to take the benefits of a romantic relationship or even to decide to live together with a partner, but without ever committing or proposing, leaving your other partner at the risk of all the things that we've talked about. And we know that these things don't honor God and they don't honor those who we love. And the longer we put off these responsibilities, the harder it is to face them. But you know the wonderful thing? Whilst he calls us to leave childhood behind, to step out of it, God never wants us to stop being his child. Whether you're 18, whether you're 35, whether you're 85, 
we are his children, loved by him, treasured by him. And we can rely upon his grace and forgiveness through Jesus every year of our lives. We can grow deeper in the love of the Father every year of our lives. And not having to lose our childlike abandon as we sing and as we dance and as we worship, that's not foolishness. That's wonderful. Embrace that. And his love means that we are free to try and that we are free to fail. We can try that door for that new job, for our new course, our new commitment, just entirely confident that he loves us. And so it's, it's okay if it doesn't work out. His love remains. The sooner we start to walk that road of childlike dependence on God, the better we will be for the long term. But you know what? You will also start to see how different your life has become to your friends who are weighed down by the pressures of achieving whose lives look Instagram perfect but are empty. And you can tell them that for the disillusioned and for the disconnected and the dislocated, there is Jesus. Let's pray. Loving Father, it is a wonderful and precious thing that you do not look down on the young. Lord, that all those who look to you and call you Father, who trust Jesus as their Savior, can live in your love. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here who are young adults or who are about to be young adults, and I pray that as they go deeper in your love, they will know the freedom that that brings, that freedom from the fear of failure or wanting to be perfect or to live up to expectation and to know that they are loved by you and forgiven in Jesus. The regrets of the past do not need to weigh them down. Lord, I pray that you'll bring peace to those who in this room perhaps are feeling regrets for their young adulthood for years wasted, perhaps. But Lord, I pray today they would see again that you are faithful and with them now. And Lord, may all of us feel that call to love those who feel all of these ways that we've mentioned and to disciple and to point them to you and to live out our contentment in you with one another. Help us in that, we pray. Just as the musicians are going to come, I just want to read some words before we sing our final song. It's from Isaiah chapter 40. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom.
He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint.